He sold his first item on eBay out of desperation to pay the rent. And from that point forward, his life has revolved around e-commerce. He's done a lot of things. He's got an incredible story. Today on this episode, we're going to talk about his highs, his extreme lows, including his current decimation of his business. Decimation of the words he used. His business through the COVID pandemic has been decimated. But he's still positive. He's still helping others. He's still taking initiatives right now to help frontliners in Australia. We'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about a couple other things like goat auctions and the things that drive life. And it's not always business. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan. And at every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of AM PM podcast. I'm here with my good buddy, Phil Leahy from Australia. How you doing, Phil? Good to see you, Tim. How are you? Good. So you don't know this, but I think that you're the first Aussie, or is it Aussie or Aussie? Uh, um, Aussie is Aussie. Fine. Okay. So I think you're the first Aussie that I ever met in my professional life. I think I met like a foreign exchange student in high school that's from Australia. So you may be like <laughs> the second Australian I ever knew. And I know that uh, I had actually forgotten this till we were talking right before the show, but we actually met in New Orleans at an Amazon yes. event a couple of years ago, and you were introduced to me by Jeff Cohen. And that was kind of a monumental introduction. I had no idea that that would get me so involved with the organizations you've got going on and met some incredible people and uh, was able to grow my network and got to go spend some time last year in Australia. So Phil, you run right now the Retail Global Organization, right? Do you want to give like a quick 10-second sure. explanation of what Retail Global is? Sure. Retail Global's been going uh, 14 years in Australia. It started out as a an eBay conference and then sort of morphed into e-commerce. Uh, we've delivered four events in Las Vegas. Um, we typically have around, you know, 100 speakers, uh, 100 exhibitors at the event. And it's really about getting the community to come together and share and share ideas and, and have... Um, it's not only, you know, eBay sellers or Amazon sellers, it's, it's also brands to bring everyone in the same room together. I got told early on that you'd never get small business and big business in the same room. And we, we sort of managed to do that. So it's something I'm proud of. Yeah. So last May, I remember I was in Gold Coast, Australia, where you have kind of your flagship event every year and you had, you know, small, just getting started entrepreneurs all the way to billion dollar brand owners. It was, it was actually kind of amazing. This January, yeah. you hosted the first VIP awards in New York City, Manhattan, the beautiful Gotham Hall. It was by far the fanciest, like a banquet award ceremony I've ever been to. I felt a little out of place, but uh, it was amazing. Can you and believe it? I, I actually, I was talking to the team tonight because we got together. We haven't been together for 64 days. Um, when I say team, there's a small team of six of us and I had them here for lunch today and we had a long lunch. Um, but that moment, you know, being in New York City at Gotham Hall um, on Broadway and really in, you know, Times Square. And, and that event was such a magical event. Um, and it was so great to have you a part of that that night too. 
yeah, I remember thinking how cool it was sitting in a room with like all these executives of Salesforce and like these brand new startup, you know, business owners and brands, just how cool and intimate that, that experience was. And I know that, um, you know, ever since I've known you, you've been involved in a very public way in the e-commerce community and you've been a great connector and bringing people together and making all these big events happening. But that's not how you got started in e-commerce. And from what I understand, prior to the year 2000, you really didn't even know anything about e-commerce or how that existed. You got in this by accident. So tell us what you were doing prior to 2000. Sure. I had retail experience. I started off as a clothing manufacturer and I had a few stores, but I ended up in radio. Um, uh, we, we started a radio station uh, in Melbourne and, and then grew it into Brisbane, Sydney. That's how I found e-commerce. I, I was a former um, record company executive with Sony and I had a bunch of collectibles and someone told me about eBay and I, I went, oh, that sounds interesting. I need to feed myself. And I put a, a signed copy of Silverchair up and sold it for $100 Australian. And at the, at the time, it was 60 cents in a dollar. And some beautiful American, and I love Americans, sent me a $100 bill US in the mail. It was like getting 150 <laughs> so, so what do you do with a hundred dollars in Australia? You just take it to the bank and just just deposit it, and they just convert it for you. I kept it, and I went. There's dollars in this, you know. So, so that I, was like I've the first that for a long time. The first wake up call, like, oh my gosh, eBay is it. legit. It works. Yeah, yeah. And it was funny back then. A lot of people sent money, and you know, a lot of cash in 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 the mail. It's really weird. Coins as well. Really? So what happened from there? You sold a signed copy of Silverchair, right? Awesome. Um, you yeah. got your first hundred US dollars in the mail shipped to you from the other side of the world. What happened from there? I understand that your your e-commerce trajectory increased pretty pretty rapidly, right? Yeah, we we end up becoming the number one seller in Australia um, on eBay out of all categories in two thousand seven and and two thousand and eight and. We were also selling on Amazon. We were, I think we were the first Australian seller to sell on Amazon UK. And we were all over the world at that stage. It was, it was, it was great. And, but you know what? It gave me a lot of respect for people like you and people at the coalface who do e-commerce, who, you know, put, you know, wrap the parcels, make sure it'll get to the customer. It is a big job. It's such a big job. So I feel like you just, glossed over the fact that you were the top Australian eBay seller in 2007, 2008. So that's a, that's, you just skipped seven years. So in 2000, you yeah. went bankrupt, you sold your first record like on eBay. Like how did that get ramped up so well? You know how I did it? There was no conferences in Australia at the time. And I heard about a group called PISA. It was a professional eBay sellers alliance in America. And they were going to be at, um, I think it was eBay Live in New Orleans in 2005. And I marched over there and I got to network amongst these people and made some friends for some very smart Americans. And we shared ideas. And, you know, I had some good stuff. I had some good stuff to bring to the table, but they gave me some amazing things. And we, we, we got together as a group and we shared and we shared. And that group grew over time. But I'd come back, implement these ideas, and my business went from here to here. I didn't have to be the smartest guy in the room, you know? So it was really, you know, America provided that pillar for me to, to, to you know, take to my business to the next level. So what were you selling? You weren't just selling records in 2007, 2008. Oh, 
Yeah, no, we were selling a lot of things. We are selling uh, uh, music equipment. We were getting to uh, Kasher uh, washers. We're, we're doing, we're, we're importing stuff from China. Um, I attempted to do what you do very well. Um, you know, went to uh, different parts of China and, and imported things. You know, I had a play, but I wasn't that passionate about it. But it was, it was very interesting in, you know, in terms of finding out about things. All right, so that event in New Orleans, two thousand five, I assume, kind of got your got your hackles raised at the idea of connecting in conferences and events. And my suspicion is, correct me if I'm wrong, that led to the concept and the idea of creating Retail Global, which is essentially that, which is a it's a networking communication conference system, right? You know, it was it was the catalyst for me. And at the end of when I sort of. If, solve that business. I, I went, how did I fall into that? And I obviously I fell into it through necessity, not planning it. Um, I wanted to plan a business that I actually wanted to be in. And I saw the value of conferences and what it did for me and what it did for a lot of people around me in terms of when, you know, people come together, they share, um, uh, you have this collective, um, creative, um, intelligence, which comes from that. And, that's what you know gave me the inspiration to to move in that conference direction. So the power of relationships. How would you tell somebody that's listening that is maybe they're an experienced entrepreneur, maybe they're just getting started, but let's assume that they're not taking advantage of networking and collaboration. And you just a couple episodes of this podcast ago, or a few episodes, I can't remember now, I was talking about this concept of a pizza, like stop fighting over a larger piece of the same pizza and work with people and just build a bigger dead gum pizza, right? So what would the, yeah. the advice that you give to people that have not started engaging with community and others in collaboration? What would you tell them to get them fired up to go out there? And it doesn't even have to be in person. You know, right now we're in the middle of the COVID pandemic, right? Like it can be online communities. It can be random Zoom calls. I was just on a, I don't even know if you know these guys, Jamie and Michael from Australia, they're running the, uh, the end game network. Have you heard of these guys? Yeah. So I got on a call, a Zoom call with them a few weeks ago. There's like 650 people on a Zoom call and they're all connecting. It's amazing. So what would you tell people to get them fired up at the idea and the importance and the power of reaching out? networking and building and, and joining a community. I firstly say this, and it's easy to say, I'll just go out and connect with people, blah, blah, blah. It can be daunting for people, especially starting out um, to overcome that barrier and to take steps to connect with other people. Um, as daunting as, you know, you know, I don't, not for you maybe, but for getting up on stage and being up in front of people, um, same sort of fright. So, and I've seen people when we, when we hold networking events that they are quite shy. The thing is to just take steps to connect and try to find common ground with people um, and try to connect with people who are also in the same boat, but also who are further down the road. I mean, um, the power is people. I've connected with people through video over the last two months and we've built relationships. I can't wait to see them in the flesh. Do you know what I mean? I do. So, Getting getting in front of people, having a call, like talking, sharing, um, very important. I remember one of the biggest things that that happened in my career when it came to like starting to network and starting to learn is I went to a conference where I knew nobody. I just got on a plane. I'm just going to go to this conference. And there was a <laughs> Facebook group for the conference attendees. And I got to my hotel. It was the 
Opryland Hotel in, or the Gaylord Opryland Hotel or something like that. And I, I remember posting in the Facebook group, hey, the first 10 people that respond, I'll buy you a steak dinner. And 10 random strangers responded. And some of them I've never spoken to since. And some of them are, are good friends now. And I remember just meeting these strangers that if I hadn't like made this little bit of effort to go out and, and reach other people, yeah, it cost me a steak dinner for a few people, but, but it was amazing in that like change of trajectory. So I challenge people all the time. You have to step out of your comfort zone a little bit. And you're talking about me getting up on stage. I've spoken around the world now, but it, that wasn't easy. That wasn't something that just happened. The first event I ever spoke at was like 30 people in Seattle, Washington. And I was scared to death. I still get a little bit uncomfortable like meeting strangers. It's practiced, but it's worth it and it's powerful and it's important. And, if, and I tell people all the time, for myself, you know this, if you're not surrounding yourself with other people, you're going to be stuck in this bubble. Like you're not going yeah. to grow. You're not going to gain new insights. If you hadn't gone to that event in 2005, where I suspect you really didn't know anybody. I mean, you, you flew across the world to New Orleans and met a bunch of strangers and it completely changed everything for you. And you know what? Put the money aside. Some of those people from 2005 and 2006 and 2007, um, American friends, um, I am still close. We're best friends. I value that more than anything in the world, you know? And yes, they're still in business and we get to talk and share, but those friendships are just, they're goal. I yeah. mean, that's better than anything for me. So we're painting this picture of, you know, you've got this successful business now you get to network you get to travel the world you get to do all sorts of cool stuff i see you all the time on social media doing you know the cheesy yoga on the beach and you know you got your masterminds <laughs> in in bali and you know you're living the good life and you know but like many entrepreneurs that are in a good position right now it hasn't always been that way you know you had a company that went bankrupt essentially you know you were you were selling records on ebay to pay rent you know you're in desperate times and I always like to highlight that with all the guests because I think people get frustrated, people get discouraged, people feel like, oh, I'm not good enough to do this. And it, mm. I think that relationships, education from the school of hard knocks, that all trumps like born and bred talent, right? Like just perseverance yeah. and tenacity, flexibility, all of that stuff matters. And I think right now it also matters because we painted this picture of this great organization you've got that just got completely kicked in the teeth. I mean, when 2020 started, you were planning events all over the world. January, you just finished up this VIP awards like we were talking about, Gotham Hall, beautiful, like an amazing event. We had a great, like that whole night was just wonderful. And like three weeks later, you're looking at, I'm sure the biggest struggle and the biggest challenge that your business has ever faced right now. Because your entire you know, livelihood and the livelihood of your employees and all these people that you're responsible for, sponsors and vendors and speakers that you, you know, have these relationships with, you're shutting everything down. Everything had to stop. You can't get on a plane. You can't hold events. So mm -hmm. what now? Like, how do you wake up in the morning with a smile on your face when your entire <laughs> business model has been wrecked for the unforeseeable future? Let's talk about resilience. Like, how do you get up in the morning? How do you keep going? And how do you adopt a mindset of pivoting and taking advantage of the opportunities? Well, first off, I have to, I have to acknowledge I, I was really lucky at this time to, to land with the, the best team I've ever had. And we're a small team, we're six people. So I was really lucky to, to be in a space where I had 
these brilliant people sitting, you know, on the right seat in the bus. And that gave me a lot of confidence. So that, that helped. Um, it, it, you know, very weird time. I, I was like, it was motivated by some major events which happened in my life, which my mother getting sick and I went to, um, I spent a night in the emergency ward at a hospital, um, 14 hours overnight, she fell asleep and I watched these people work and I went, wow, they got this upcoming challenge ahead of them. These people are already at, you know, working at optimum. They're, they're grabbing bits of food between working. And you're talking about the employees like ramping up in the middle of this COVID crisis at the hospital, right? And so this is just before it became com completely obvious and it became obvious to me because, you know, Salesforce and a bunch of others have canceled even executive travel. So I saw it was coming. Um, but it was sort of motivated from, from that. And I thought, you know, there's a war thing coming ahead and um, what can I do and how can I keep my people sort of motivated during that time? So it was sort of a, a natural pivot from, it, it wasn't planned, but, you know, I always think with any adversity, there's so much opportunity hidden behind the darkness and, uh, yeah, I, I, it was one of those moments, I guess, for me, you know. So so your business is, like I said before, kicked in the teeth. You're going through this uh, kind of crisis with your mother, you know, with, with mental, I'm sorry, not mental, but physical issues. And, and mentally, mm -hmm. that's kind of a dark spot for you, right? Like a little bit of desperation. And, and what I'm picking up from this, and, and we'll move into what this became Frontliners in a moment, but but I love the fact, and this is what makes a good entrepreneur. It's not, you know, the, the, the sharpest minds and the most talent and the highest education. It's the ability nah. to look outside the box, to start thinking about different things. You know, your life revolves around e-commerce and your life revolves around community and communication and events and things like that. And still your mind was able to wander enough where you're looking at these doctors and nurses that are, you know, in this upcoming, you called it like getting ready for war, like, struggling and you know there's you know struggling to find snacks and you know just trying to get a, a sip of water in between seeing these patients and you immediately thought hey i've got a team that doesn't have anything to do right now essentially like <laughs> we're basically out of a job <laughs> yeah like like what can we do so so how does how does someone like your your mind work in all right i have this team that does one thing we're very good at one thing like how do we pivot and do something completely different and and that different that thing became frontliners and i remember when you started launching this on social media it was basically an attempt to support the frontline medical workers through this incredible program that you put together that like gained national and even international attention on the news and you started raising ridiculous amounts of money like tell us how that I, you've kind of talked about how that idea got started, but how do you then pivot? How do you take the resources, the team, the time that you have and do something completely different? And how did your team respond to that? Yeah, well, the team were incredible. Um, I, the first person I, I reached out to wasn't the general manager. It was actually our graphics guy, Ben, and our, you know, our artistic department to run the idea and say, look, this is my experience. This is what I'm thinking we should do. What do you think? And um, he, he, he certainly bought into it and he ran with it and over the weekend produced some, some images and, and of, of, you know, what, what, what I was talking about. So I guess it was, um, 
the team adapt, adapted brilliantly and I, beyond expectation. Um, and we just pivoted. I mean, in 64 days, we delivered $1.6 million worth of product to 84,000 health workers across 54 hospitals. This is a team of six. Um, and we've still got $2 million worth of stuff to deliver. We've only raised $32,000 and we're 11,000 bucks in the red at the moment. So we, <laughs> of course we haven't paid ourselves, but what it's done for us is, and you know what they're also done, they've pivoted the business and we've delivered um, virtual events. We, we've connected with our audience like none of our competitors. Um, and we've provided that service as well, as well as, you know, um, launching a marketplace this week. So it's cool. so, so very rapidly in this time of like complete crisis, you not only were able to pivot your business to online events, but you started this frontliners thing, which wasn't even, it, you're actually losing money, but I know the amount of work it took. You had, <laughs> you had millions of dollars of product donated. And these are anything from like supplements to snacks, to drinks. You put them in these amazing packages, you packed them all up, you shipped them all over the country, essentially 54 hospitals, right? Mm, like that's a big pivot. And that's, that's exceptionally cool that you are able to do that. And it's still ongoing and that, and that's, that's really, really awesome. And you never know what that's going to turn into five years from now. You may be in the red right now, operationally, but five years yeah. from now, it, it may have made a connection that you make all that money back up and it's fine. But what I'm noticing is you have a desire for passion and you love doing good and you love making sure that your life is not consumed with the PL statement, right? And and Frontliner is an example of that. Like you get motivated, you get your team inspired, your team buys into it, you make a huge impact, you get a lot of exposure, but you're still losing money on it, but it's worth it, right? Like <laughs> you wouldn't go <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't go back and trade that for anything, right? It's it's been an incredible experience. So let's talk a minute, you know, about flexibility and, and, and resilience, because right now we see a lot of big businesses that are struggling, you know, American airlines, you know, the, the, the largest airline in the U S and I think in the world now, you know, based on flights and revenue dollars is struggling. Like I'm watching their, their press release and they're like, well, the big change that we've made is now you have to wear masks and we're going to try to get our flights back. But small businesses are doing incredible things. People are completely pivoting. People are making massive amounts of changes in the way that they're operating and the way that they're launching products and the type of products they're doing. And e-commerce right now, at time of recording, is up like 65% for, for sellers on average from this time last year. It's huge. It's a great industry to be in. So what advice would you give to people when it comes to, to needing to be resilient and trusting their instincts to make these rapid changes on a dime when they're facing like this this terrible crisis and, and adversity. I love it, and I love the, I love the way you said on a dime because that's really important. And, and it just you straight to mind is Malcolm Gladwell. Um, have you read the the book um, uh, Malcolm and, and Goliath? I have not. Malcolm Gladwell. No. Amazing. So M Malcolm argues that um, David never was the underdog. David always had the upper hand because David was, you know, fit. He was agile. He could move around. And the Goliath walked down the hill with all this armor on and could hardly walk 
And all it took was a whack between the eyes. You know, it was like a bullet from a gun and Danny went. And he, he was always going to win that contest. During this time, being small, being agile is everything. I, I feel for these big companies who will be scrambling and they're having meeting upon meeting upon meeting about who they're going to um, fire, how they're going to restructure, what, where they're going to go next. They're doing meeting upon, and especially the old way of doing things. Being agile, being new to the market is a great advantage at this, at this moment. I mean, you know, read that book. It'll tell you. It, I love that analogy. You. I've never thought about that. And, and that, is, yeah. that is awesome because, you know, we, we, we are Davids, <laughs> you know, essentially like we're going up against this, this daunting task, you know, that most people don't have faith that we're going to win. But David knew he was going to win that. And and we can be those Davids versus, versus Goliath when it comes to market share and sustainability and, you know, the ability to react to situations. That's amazing. So mm. you, you said it uh, a few minutes ago, and I, I didn't want to leave this unsaid. You're not very good at making money, you know, and, and I'm kind of the same way. Like, I have these great ideas, but I'm usually too ambitious and I'm too all over the place. And, you know, I have people tell me all the time, like, Tim, uh, <laughs> this isn't a great move. You're, sp you're spending too much money, but life is awesome. And overall, I do, you know, fairly well, I'd like to say. But one thing that drives me to continue making these bold choices that sometimes are good, sometimes are bad, is passion, right? So, you know, an underlying thing that I, that I see you talking about is passion. You've got a passion for, you know, e-commerce. You've got a passion for connecting people. You've got a passion for these conferences. You've got a passion for helping other people. One thing that, that I tell people all the time is the passion doesn't even have to be directly related to your business. But one of the coolest things about being an entrepreneur is you have a flexibility to use your business to support your passion or to have the freedom for your passion mm. or to fund your passion or to give you enough flexibility and schedule to pursue your passion. How important is passion to you? And what advice would you give to people about making sure that they're not just focused on the money, but that they're focused on something that's intangible? Easy answer. Very easy answer. Simon Sinek, why? Simon Sinek, why? Watch the video. Just get that why part. Um, and the why doesn't always have to be about, you know, doing a charity effort. But if you, can, if you can bring that into your life, if you can bring that into your business and for your team, and especially the market demands it now. It actually demands that you actually have some sort of purpose. Um, and, but you, get, you actually get more out of that than the, the person you, or, or, the, or the, the people you're helping you get so much satisfaction. It, it, the payout is incredible. So, um, but having that intertwined in the business brings everyone together. Um, and, you know, how long are we on this earth? Let, let's just do a little bit. Let's make a buck, like absolutely. But let's be mindful about how we make the buck and, and how we can sort of bring in people up with this. I'm not talking about, um, you know, handouts. I'm talking about hand ups. I'm talking about, helping people, putting in infrastructure and actually having something measurable, um, you know, for your, for your legacy, I guess. Yeah. So as you look forward the, toward the future, right, you have a pretty good pulse on commerce. You deal with people in the retail industry. 
you know, I know that you're you're like a member of a really big retail board, right? What did, what's the story there? The the Internet Retailers Association or something? Oh yeah, I'm affiliated with a few different groups, and I I really do try hard to, you know, to connect with not just the major players in in different parts of the industry in Australia and the US, but also the up and coming um, new entrants. Yeah, and the ones who have been around for a while too, you know. So you've got your fingers in all of these big organizations, startup organizations. I want to look into the the Phil Crystal Ball. Where does e-commerce move in the next 12 months and then the next five years? So the next 12 months, the shift has been incredible. Um, I'll give you an example in Australia, which hasn't suffered like the American market has in terms of numbers of, of this virus, but and we've got a safety net, but we had a, a large number of people come online, uh, the laggers, if you like, um, in one month. So yeah, to start shopping, sudden, you mean the people that weren't yeah, shopping online, but now they are never online before. So they're online, they're buying, everyone's buying. They're having a great experience because it's delivered to their door and their home as well. So they're not getting carded. Um, that, that alone is going to fundamentally change everything. I mean, we've had a massive increase. There's, there's been a lot of losers like fast fashion. There's been, you know, a lot, some have pivoted, but there's been a lot of winners. I mean, there's been some incredible winners, not just, not just the FMG uh, toilet paper people who, who had a good <laughs> month or two, but there's actually, you know what I mean? There's been some really solid perform. Um, Incredible shift, an opportunity too. If you're a small business or starting it, you want to hire people. Well, there's some people out there looking for jobs who are incredibly talented, who could help you with your e-commerce. You know, that's, that's such a good point. You're out there now. Let's employ them um, and let's find those niches because India's opening up. We Everything's changing. The whole China model, there's so much, there's gold behind those rocks. It's, it's so frustrating right now trying to describe to people how I'm advocating positivity and I'm advocating like tenacity and ambition because right now all we see, listen, last night I was sitting at the dinner table, no joke, and I'm sitting at the table and I'm staring at my phone, the screen's off, I'm just staring at this, this block, you know, and I looked at my wife and I said, I better check the news. And the reason I said that is because I haven't looked at the news in like a week and a half because it's so negative. Everything, especially here in the U.S., is, you know, everything is either politics, just everybody fighting about everything and nobody knows the actual truth, or it's just negative headlines. There's nothing positive. And like every week and a half, I go, oh, I better check the news, right? So we're in a period where, listen, there are tens of millions of people in the U.S. alone that don't have a job. Like that's, yeah. that's a crisis. That's, that's terrible. I've got friends in other countries, you know, underdeveloped countries that the new, there's not enough space for headlines, right? Like we cover the U S headlines, but nobody's talking about places that depend on tourism that stopped. Nobody's talked about places that, you know, rely on, you know, aid groups to come in that stopped. Like there's some really, really tragic stuff going on right now. And I know that in the back of my mind, like it breaks my heart. I'm seeing these stores and these restaurants shuddering right now, even in my own city that will never open back up again. 
And the business owners and the entrepreneurs behind that that have sunk all their money and their time into that will likely not recover for a decade over this. It's terrible. But on the other side, I'm screaming at people like, this is the time to go. Like e-commerce has never had a better opportunity than it does right now. This is the time we got to get off our butts. We got to move. You've got to be able to, or we are able to pivot. We just have to pivot. We have to change those things. And just like you said, it's our this duty. Is the, it's, it's our, our duty. duty. Like, <laughs> like it's our duty. Go hire these people. Like I was on the exactly. phone. Yeah. I was on the phone this morning in the meeting with Ricardo, the CEO of Sellers Funding. And he's like, Tim, we got to hire people right now. Not only because e-commerce growing, but there are people with incredible talent right now that need a job and we can't afford not to hire them because this is the best time to be hiring. And it's frustrating because I don't want to get too excited and be tone deaf. Like I don't want to walk around with a smile in my, my office is in a bank building downtown. Right. And like mm. when I walk into the lobby to come down here to my office in the basement, I have to be careful not to look too excited to be coming to work every day. Cause some people are coming in to tell the, their loan managers like, Hey, I can't pay my loan or like, Hey, my account's empty and it's overdrawn. But I get to my office and I'm like, yeah, it's go time. You know, like this is exciting stuff. So mm. that's amazing. So big takeaways, pivot. You have to be able to pivot and we are able to pivot. Those of us that are entrepreneurs, you know, we're smaller than the big guys. We're smaller than Salesforce and Walmart and we're smaller than JCPenney's and all these, you know, Sony and all these people. We can pivot. Another thing is you have to have passion. And when you have passion, that trumps a lot, right? And, and Frontliners has been an amazing thing to watch. You know, you've, you've literally handed out care packages to... I don't know how many thousands of people, but it's huge. And even though you've lost money operationally like that, you've made contacts, you've made relationships with people that have donated millions of dollars with the products. These are big brands. These are relationships that you'll have, mm. you know, the rest of your life. And that passion helps you. We didn't even get to talk about things that you've been involved with, like supporting causes in Haiti and other underdeveloped countries and incredible stuff you've done. I Last year, this is crazy. Last year, I got to sit at, at a table, by the way, you threw this ridiculous fundraising gala until we had our thing in New York. It was the nicest event I'd ever been to. And I was blessed to be asked to sit at the table with you. And I'm sitting there with you and all these other awesome people that are way cooler than me. And there was an auction for goats. It was a goat auction. Like we were all in black tie, like, like raising money to buy people goats in Haiti. It was the coolest thing ever. And, and I remember how, how cool that was because, you know, on the other side of the world, we're raising money for, for this stuff that wasn't going to make you money. You weren't profiting off these, this goat fundraiser, you know, to, but, but it was incredible to see your passion and see how that has helped you in business and helped you in life and given you a mindset where even when you go bankrupt multiple times and you're literally living off of selling records and, and now this pandemic, your business retail global has just been, just been decimated. dumped. Yeah. Decimated. <laughs> like, like completely that's, I'm trying to be sensitive here, but, but decimated your business has been decimated. decimated. But but you're laughing and we're joking yeah. about this and and you're still alive you're still healthy like like you've got an incredible team that you're keeping busy and you're doing cool stuff. It's awesome. So um, give give one final piece of advice for people right now like like Phil if you could stand in front of on a stage all the tens of thousands of people that will hear this podcast and you had like one final thing to say to them what would you say? I would say. Don't let a crisis go the waste. And I know a few of you heard that before in the last few weeks, but it's so true. And don't, as entrepreneurs, um, 
not live up to your duty to serve. And our job as entrepreneurs is to create, to provide jobs, to build businesses, to provide wealth, to provide security for others. So this time of great change is a time of great opportunity. Make sure you seize it because you need to do that for the good of all of us. So go out there and get them guys. Well, that was awesome. I had to write that down. Entrepreneurs have a responsibility to provide jobs, wealth, opportunities for others. I like deep down, I know that, but I've never heard it articulated that way. That's incredible. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. That's so cool. Phil, I love you. I can't wait to see you again. We're on the other side of the I world. And-, too, man. and I love America and I miss you guys so bad. Like, you know, I just hope that we're at least, I could get back to New York next January for our for our VIP awards opening retail week at the NRF and what we get together. But will we, will we see each other before then? I mean, I have no idea. I was supposed to be in Australia at the end of May, you know, and, and you didn't even know this May 28th, I was supposed to be speaking at your event and that's my birthday. So I was going to get to spend my birthday with you. And instead, I, I got to... Because I think you're going to be on my table. <laughs> <laughs> instead, I've got to slum it up with my family. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, or, uh, man, I appreciate you being on here. I know with this time zone, it's late at night. You should be getting your beauty sleep. But I appreciate you sharing this wisdom and sharing your experience. And I have no doubt that Retail Global is going to be just fine. It's going to suck this year. It really is. But but we're all in this together. And I know that with your positivity and your team, you do have an incredible team. I love all of them. Uh, had some good times with most of them. Can't wait to see them again, too. And, and I have no doubt that we're going to be just fine. So we'll all hang in there together. And thank you for sharing this wisdom. Keep doing what we're you do. We're all in this together. And, and great to talk to you and to all my American friends. You know, um, from the other side of the pond, we love you. You know, you're going through some some incredibly challenging times. We're here for you. Do it. Seize the opportunity and help others. Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening to another episode of AMPM Podcast. Make sure if you're watching this on YouTube, smash that subscribe button. Like us on all the podcast platforms you're listening to. The more you like us, the more it gets shared, the more people hear this. So if you appreciate this content, if you agree with what you're hearing, even if you disagree with what you're hearing, I don't care. It's a, it's a platform to just share ideas, and we all need that. We all need to, to help each other, whether it's content, creativity, motivation, whatever it is. Make sure that you share this so that we get some, uh, some really good exposure and we get this spread out to people that need to hear it. We'll see you guys on the next episode of the AMPM Podcast.